Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to take them and open up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This morning we'll be in verses 19 um, down maybe through 24 or so. Matthew 6, 19 is where we'll start. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you that uh, this, well, let me just start this way. Just had a wonderful, wonderful time in worship last week, didn't we? I mean, just a wonderful time of worship last week. Had a great time of worship this morning. Uh, worship doesn't end when the music ends. I, I, I get all that. But um, I got to tell you, this morning I, I come to the pulpit with a little bit of fear and trepidation. Uh, I'm going to preach on a topic this morning that probably, uh, you know, has the potential to be a space maker. Uh, has the potential to clear out a few seats in here. Um, some of you may hear it and you may say, uh, you know, I just don't don't uh, know about that. I told you that's what preachers always do. I'm going to I'm going to leave and I, I just uh, I'll come back in a matter of weeks. Uh, you say, well, what in the world are you talking about this morning? I'm starting a four week series talking about money. And uh, some of you right now said, yep, you're right. Space maker, you know, uh, but I'm going to talk about money for the next four weeks. Now, I don't do this lightly. I don't do this um, because, uh, you know, I, I want your money. I don't do this uh, for any other reason other than Jesus talked about money. Somebody said on the way in here to me, they said, you know, I, I want to hear, I want to come to a church where the pastor stands up and he preaches Jesus. Well, I got to tell you this morning that when I stand here and I preach money, I'm preaching Jesus because Jesus preached money. In fact, he spoke about it a whole lot. And, uh, and so you pray for me as I stand here in fear and trepidation. And now I've just thoroughly got you all like shell shocked. You're going to wonder what in the world is going to go on. I promise it's going to be very pain free and, and all that sort of thing. It's hopefully going to come from a different slant than what you've heard maybe in the past. Let's look at our passage together. Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 19. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray together. God, this morning I come to your text. God, just committed to preach whatever is here. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give me supernatural strength. God, that you would speak through me or that you saw this as important enough to put into your word. God, I pray that I would not hide or be frail in bringing it to life. But God, that you would be powerful through me in Jesus name. Amen. I've got really two points this morning. Uh, the first of which is this buried treasure. All of us have buried treasure. First, I just want you to notice that 
everyone is going to have treasure. Everyone is burying treasure somewhere. Uh, Jesus makes that observation. Notice that Jesus, when he is speaking here, the Sermon on the Mount, he does not say, if you're going to lay up treasure. No, he says, do not lay up treasure on earth. And then he says, lay up treasure on in heaven. He's assuming he's making the observation that everyone is going to make investments somewhere. Some may have more than others. Some come to passages like this and they just skip over them altogether because they say things like, well, that really doesn't apply to me because I don't have any money. You know, anybody feel that way? In this economy, I think a lot of us would probably feel that way, that, golly, is he really going to talk about money now? I mean, I just don't really have any money. But Jesus here makes the observation that everyone, everyone, everyone is going to bury treasure somewhere. All of us have a responsibility, a God-given call to invest our money and our resources in one of two places. And I want to just bring light to that today. The truth of the matter is, there's probably no greater indicator of our true spiritual condition than our money. Maybe our time. But those two together indicate the true condition of our heart. So if your attitude here today is, um, well, see, I, I told you, it's all preachers ever want to talk about is money. Let me just tell you two things. First of all, in two years, I will have been here as your pastor for two years next month. In two years, this is the first time ever that I have preached intentionally on money. Okay? So this is not the regular message of this preacher or this church. Secondly, if that's your attitude toward money, see, preachers always just want to talk about money. Let me say this to you. Let me let you off the hook. Keep your money. Because it won't do you any good to give it with wrong motives. And God doesn't need your money. Did y'all hear me? Okay. So let me just let you off the hook. All right. Can we agree that we're going to be frank and upfront and just honest about what God says here about money? All right. Back to Jesus' point where, uh, where you put your treasure matters. All of us are going to bury treasure somewhere. Let me give you the truth about earthly treasure and then the truth about heavenly treasure. The truth about earthly treasure, first off, is it involves instant gratification. Instant gratification. Verse 19, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. John MacArthur and others have pointed out that the the two words in this text that are the key to understanding it all are those two words for yourselves. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I don't have to labor this point very long for you to understand. Just take a look at commercials and advertising. I mean, they're everywhere, right? You can't go anywhere anymore without seeing some sort of advertisement, whether it's television or radio or the Internet or social media or magazines and newspapers or buses or park benches. It's on clothing, it's on billboards, it's on yard signs, products of all sorts. 
It's on those people that stand out by the road and twirl their sign and do their dancing and try to get you to pull in here, you know, and they they sell gold. You've seen the guy with the big, big hat, you know, and the gold, you know, he's he's there on the side of the road trying to get you to come in and, and sell your gold, buy some more gold. You ever seen those windsock people that has the, the, the machine at the bottom that blows that guy up in the air and he's doing this and he comes out in front of you and all that? Why? Am I pretty good at doing that? <laughs> I look down there and I watch. He's going, he's pretty good at that. Dude. Why? Why is it everywhere? Why? Because there is an agenda in this world to get you to part with your money and your resources For instant gratification. Isn't there? It is everywhere. Take a look at some of these weird ads in weird locations. Let's put a couple of these up on the screen. This is in a city and this is a manhole in the street. And Folgers came up with this great idea. There's this manhole and it has steam coming out of it every morning. So they took advantage of it and they made this overlay of a cup of coffee and they used the steam and the caption says, hey, city that never sleeps, wake up, Folgers. So as people are walking across the street, they see this and I'm right now craving a cup of coffee. Not just any coffee, but Folgers coffee. Now, that wouldn't be my brand, but that's what they want you to do. Let's look at the next one. This is in Bangkok. In a just sea of tangled up phone lines, this company decided to put a comb in the middle of it and then advertise their product. I think it's pretty creative, don't you? It makes me want to straighten it out. Let's look at the next one. This one, I don't know which city this is in, maybe New York, maybe Chicago or somewhere, but this is an ad for FedEx Kinko's. And it is a giant bottle of whiteout. And they've used the crosswalk lines to their advantage. And suddenly you're thinking, you know, I need to go to FedEx Kinko's. Nowhere else, just FedEx Kinko's to rid myself of some of my hard-earned cash. Look at this last one. This is an ad for a noodle company. Now, who was sitting there on the dock and said, you know, that looks like a giant noodle. Let's put a face there on the front of these ships and uh, let's get people thinking about noodles. I mean, it's everywhere, isn't it? It is absolutely everywhere telling you that you need what they are selling when? Now. Instantly. You can't wait. You need it and you deserve it. Part with your cash and come get what we have. And a lot of times it's not even part with your cash. Let's put it on credit. I mean, the interest rate's not that bad, at least for the first 12 months. If you go past the 12 months, then, you know, you're going to give away your firstborn child. But there's this scheme out there that is telling you that you need what you need right now. You need what you want right now. You deserve it. You do know that TV is not about the programs, right? Television is not about the programs. Television is about the commercials. The program simply exists to get you to watch so that you'll see the commercials. We see advertising everywhere. And it is all for this 
scheme to get you to part with your money right now. Instant gratification. This is characteristic of earthly treasure. Well, what happens then to this earthly treasure that's about instant gratification? Second thing about it is this, is that it is certain to vanish. It is certain to be lost. You will lose it. He says here, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. What Jesus here is saying is that these things that you're spending your money on now for this life to bring instant gratification, you will lose 100 percent of them. You say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know if every bit of it, 100 percent of it will be certainly lost. I mean, I can shrink wrap it. I can vacuum seal it. I can hang it in my cedar lined closet. You know, I, 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 can, uh, I can schedule the exterminator and pay the bill and he can come take care of all those moths. I can buy the warranty. I can cover it with insurance. I can set the burglar alarm and all of that is well and good. Nothing wrong with any of it. But have you ever seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul? You won't take any of it with you. What you can ensure and keep here and now, you will not take with you. I was talking with somebody the other day and we were talking about how it used to be that products would last a long time. Refrigerators and washing machines and all this sort of thing, they were made to last. They would last 30 or 40 years and nowadays they last about five or six years and that's about all they really want you to get out of them. So that you're either going to have to buy their expensive parts to fix the thing or just go out and buy another. But what time, what the moth and the rust and the thieves won't get, death will. You won't take any of it with you. It will all be lost. It's like, it's like the commercial. I shared this in the membership class this morning. The commercial on TV right now for Best Buy, the buyback program, and the lady stands up and they show the latest cell phone and she stands up and she says, I just bought that one. That's kind of the, how you'll feel. You'll get to the end of your life investing in earthly treasure and you'll say, but I just bought that one and it will be gone. Jesus is here telling us that in the end it will all be lost. You can't take any of it with you. That's what it means in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, when it says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Now, let me be clear about this. There is nothing wrong with having things. Absolutely nothing wrong with having things. We are not telling you that you need to go out of here, sell everything that you have, and give it away to the poor. Jesus told one man that. In all of his ministry, and it was because that was that man's idol. We're not advocating here total poverty. This is not poverty theology or the poverty gospel. The poverty gospel could be just as damning as the prosperity gospel. If you think that it somehow earns you greater favor with God. But Jesus here says to us, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where the moth and the rust and the thieves will get it. Then he goes on and he says, but you should lay up treasures in heaven. So let me give you the truth about heavenly treasures. Just as 
earthly treasure is about instant gratification. Heavenly treasure requires delayed gratification. It requires you to say no for now, to wait. Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven by delaying gratification here. Why? Because that's our eventual true home. Isn't it? Why do we spend so much time hoarding stuff for here? Could it be that it's because we don't really believe that this is not our home? That we really believe that maybe this is our home? I mean, after all, it's been so long since Jesus left. Do we really know that he's coming back? I would say we do, and we should believe it. Philippians 3, verses 17 through chapter 4, verse 1 says this. For many of whom, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Earthly treasures. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Paul is saying there to his followers is you are my treasure that I will one day come into heaven with. Don't give yourselves to the things of this world without giving yourself to the things of heaven first and foremost. I would ask this question again. Do we really believe that this world is not our home? Uh, there's a show that I like to watch. Um, I don't know if it's on Discovery or what, but it's Dual Survival. Dual, is that right it's called? Dual Survival. We watch it together. And um, Dave Canterbury and Cody Lundin, these two guys, one of them is this, this hippie guy that walks around with no shoes on in all sorts of wilderness situations. I mean, they're, they're in freezing cold ice. They're in the Appalachian Mountains of Kentucky. They're, they're off, in the, the, you know, off in Africa and all these places, and he doesn't have any shoes on. That's just crazy to me. And then there's this other guy who is, who is just a redneck, and, uh, and he's, he's got everything known to man. He's got the boots and everything else, and they, they show you how to survive together. Well, I was watching an episode the other day, and they were in lion country in Africa. And they came to this area, and they were going to make shelter for themselves. And they, they found these trees that were gathered together. They're out in the middle of nowhere. And in just a few hours, the sun's going to go down, and it's going to become lion feeding time. Guess who's on the menu? So they go out, and they find these trees that have these long thorns on them. And they cut them down, and they bring those in to make their shelter. And you know what I did not see them doing? I did not see them drawing blueprints. I did not see them saying, well, you know, this will be our living area. And then over here, the hallway will turn here and it will go over here to this section of trees. And this will be our kitchen. Over here will be our garage. Over here will be the, the den. 
Why? Because they're not planning to stay. Not very long anyway. It's only shelter. It's only shelter because what's their objective? Their objective is to get back to civilization. Well, let me tell you something, church. Part of what's wrong with the church in America is we have become convinced. We have become content with the wild and we have forgotten that we are on our way back to our true civilization. We are investing here the resources that God is putting into our hands on things that will not last. We are not delaying gratification because we don't really in our hearts believe that he's coming back and we will live in a different place with him forever. It's time that we begin to delay the selfish, fleshly gratification for a season, believing that our home is there. Second thing, though, about heavenly treasure is that it is delayed gratification. But as earthly treasure was certain loss, heavenly treasure is certain gain. Hear me on this. There is no doubt in this. He says here, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. What could possibly destroy or steal your treasure when it is guarded and guaranteed by the God of heaven? I understand that we live in very uncertain days. We live in days where people have lost thousands of dollars in investments. Some of you out there right now, you've lost thousands in investments. We live in a day where people have lost their jobs. Many of you out there, many of you sitting in these seats right now, you don't have a job. Because of the economy downsizing and things going overseas and all of this. We also live in a day where people can't sell or buy a house. Houses will sit on the market, someone trying to sell them for one year, two years, three years, until eventually the person has to take a huge loss or the bank has to take it back. I realize that's the day that we live in, but I'm here to tell you that that's not how it will be in heaven. Do you understand that? Isn't that good news? That we are only passing through here. This is only temporary. Who or what is going to snatch your treasure in heaven out of God's hand? Who, who would attempt that? I just wrote some things out. God is too wise to make poor investments. God is too rich to overspend. Isn't that a word for today? God is too sovereign to be surprised by climate changes or international conflicts or engineering accidents. Nothing's going to take him by surprise. God is too strong to be overtaken. Who or what would ever snatch your treasure that you've laid in heaven from here out of God's hand? The FDIC here can't do much, but it, in the Father's hands, He makes a guarantee that cannot be touched. 
There's a great truth in a book that I would commend to you, particularly over the next four weeks as we look at this. It's a short little book. You can read it in just, just a little bit of time. It's called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. The Treasure Principle. Uh, there may be a copy of it in the library. I'm not sure. Um, but you can, you can pick that up at any, book, any Christian bookstore and read that. Randy Alcorn comes to this conclusion. When it comes to treasure and where you're going to bury your treasure... You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. That's a revolutionary thought. You can't take anything with you. You won't take any piece of technology. You won't take any piece of equipment. You won't take any house. You won't take anything with you. But you can send treasure on ahead. That's good news. Listen to this verse. Luke chapter 16, verse 9. And I tell you. Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Now, that's a hard verse to understand. Make friends through your unrighteous wealth. What in the world is Jesus telling us here? Well, it helps to understand that that word unrighteous doesn't really mean evil. It doesn't mean good either. It just means that it's amoral. Or amoral. It's neither good nor bad. It's unrighteous. It's, it's not righteous. It's not evil. So when he says here, make friends for yourselves by means of your unrighteous wealth, what he's saying is money is neither good nor bad. Scripture never says that money is the root of all evil. Scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. For all sorts of evil. Jesus is not encouraging here dishonest use of money. Instead, what he's saying is that money can be used to lead people to Christ. Money can be used, possessions can be used in a way that will fulfill the Great Commission. That will make disciples of all nations. Those in turn, those people that come to know Christ and become disciples, they in turn become heavenly treasure ready to receive you into the eternal dwellings. That's what the verse said there. One of these days, I I must ask you this question. One of these days when you step into heaven, before you get the wrong idea, heaven is not going to be. It will be a great reunion, but the focus of heaven is not going to be on Mom and dad and husband and wife and those, those reunions from this earth. Those, those will happen, but that will not be the most important thing. The most important thing is that you will be where Jesus is. There will be no, no more sun, moon, or stars in heaven because He will be the great light of the city. But do you understand also that what you do here does matter and that there will potentially be People in heaven because of how you use your resources here. Jesus is teaching us that we are to use the things that he gives us, entrusts to us, loans us, not to spend selfishly on these instant gratification items. But we are instead to turn them and use them to reach people for the glory of Christ. If Jesus is worth 
all worship, worth all glory. Doesn't it make sense that we would try to take as many people to worship around his throne as we possibly could? So how about you? Are you gratifying your flesh instantly with treasure that will not last? Or are you delaying pleasures now for treasures that will not ever fade away? So the first point is there is buried treasure. The second point is this. X marks the spot. X marks the spot. Verses 21 through 24, we read... Specifically, let me just concentrate on verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, many have used this to teach the wrong thing. And I have probably perhaps even taught this the wrong way in years past. Many teach that, you know, if your heart's just not in the right place, if if you're not... You know, if, if you're not concentrating on heaven and this not being your permanent home, but that one being your home, just go ahead and start giving and your heart will follow. Anybody ever heard it taught that way? The problem with that is that it might work for a while. But in just a matter of a short amount of time, your heart will return to its default setting. Your heart will will show its true condition. Your behavior will come out. You will begin to stop laying up treasure in heaven. And begin once again to begin to hoard and store up things on this earth. Because you can't... You can't fix yourself. You can't rehabilitate yourself. You can't say, I've got a problem with my heart. I've got a problem with who I am on the inside, so let me fix it. I'll just start throwing money to things of heaven. That'll fix it, and my heart will one day follow. Instead, what you need is you need an outside force, who is God through the gospel, to impact and change your heart. And when that happens, then the giving... And the storing up of treasure in heaven will flow out of a heart that has been changed. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, is saying that your treasure reveals the condition of your heart. There are some of you in this room today that when I started out with fear and trepidation talking about money, You closed me out. You shut down and you said, how dare he? And it would reveal that there's something wrong with your heart. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then he is Lord of every area of your life. He is not simply the Lord of the rooms that you allow him to go into. He is Lord of it all. He is God. He is sovereign. He is on the throne. If you're coming to this area of finances and saying, God, I got this one. Then it betrays your heart and it tells you, it should tell you, if you will listen, that there is something not right with your heart. And this morning, I want to explain to you the gospel. That in the beginning, there was God. 
And God created this world not because there was something missing in himself. He was lonely and he needed someone to to just spend time with. But he created you and me out of his grace and for his glory. But along the way, when he put Adam and Eve in the garden and told them, by the way, you can eat from any tree you want to in here, but not that one. Along came the serpent. Satan himself entered the picture and he began to question and he said, did God really say that you couldn't eat from that tree? And Eve began to doubt and she began to listen to the serpent and she said, you know, it looks good. Serpent says it's going to make me wise. And instead of obeying her, her maker, instead she decided to do things her own way. She rebelled against his instructions and disobeyed. And she, at that point, with Adam, Adam being the head of our race, fell below the standard of the glory of God. They fell into sin and caused us to be cursed, waiting for the eventual wrath of God. We, like Adam, have all sinned and all rebelled because we are from him We have all chosen to sin. But Jesus Christ, who was God of very God, who existed in the beginning, didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to, but instead emptied himself, humbled himself, took on flesh, lived 33 years on this planet as a human being just like you and I. During that time, obeyed perfectly. Defeated. Defeated the law and sin. He didn't, he didn't come to do away with it. He came to fulfill it. But instead what they did is they took him and they took this one who had obeyed God perfectly and they nailed him to a cross. Jesus Christ, he didn't go unwillingly. He went willingly to the cross Because that's why he came. He came to take the punishment for your sin and for my sin. He was nailed to that cross. And he had the wrath of God. The anger. The justice of God. Completely laid on him. Jesus Christ died on that cross. They took him down from that cross and they placed him into a borrowed tomb. He was in that tomb for three days dead. On the third day, the Bible says that he came back to life, defeating sin, absorbing your punishment, defeating death once and for all. And that it today lives at the right hand of God interceding for us. And right now, today... If you have never come to see yourself in the position of Adam, sinned against God, needing to be made right with God, if you have never turned away from your sin and trusted Christ alone as your only hope of being made right with God, then today I would like to invite you to turn by faith from your sin and trust Christ alone. In just a minute, we're going to sing and respond. Ethan's going to lead us in a time of reflection and response. And 
The hardest thing for any of for some of you to do would be for you to actually get up and walk down here and take me by the hand and actually talk about this. Admit this. But I want to encourage you to do it. If today you've realized that you are lost, still in your sin, condemned before God because you've never received what Christ did on your behalf, then today I'm going to be here and I would love to receive you. Now, you don't have to come and walk down the aisle. There's, there's nothing special or magical about coming down an aisle or talking to a preacher. You don't come through me. But I will be here to receive you and to help you if you would be willing by faith to trust Christ today. Amen? There's not a person in this room that would scorn you for doing that. There's not a person in this room that would laugh about you, laugh over you doing that. In fact, there's a room full of people who have done that very thing and they would celebrate with you. And so I encourage you, I invite you today by faith to turn away from your sin and yourself and by faith to trust Christ, His work alone. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to this issue today of money. And God, we today in this room acknowledge that even money is yours. And every bit of it is yours. And God, I pray, Lord, for all of us across this room, God, that you would begin to show us how we are wrongly storing up treasure here on earth. And God, lead us out of that and show us how we should store up treasure in heaven. God, we can't do that, though, apart from you changing our hearts. And so, God, right now, in this time of response, God, I pray that you would convict people all across this room. God, that you would show them their condition before you. They would come to understand that their heart, for those that are still lost in their sin, God, that you would show them that they are dead. But God, that today you would cause them to be alive. God, that you would show them their need of you. And God, that you would lead them to respond by faith to you this morning. God, I pray that you would change us for your glory. God, that we would not compartmentalize different areas of our lives. But God, that we would simply surrender to your lordship over everything. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.